Hello, and welcome to the Destiny Church Podcast. We trust that this will be a great encouragement to you and build your faith. Enjoy today's message. Good morning, everybody. Excited to be hanging with you today. Let me give you a couple of quick announcements. If you want to mark these down, a couple of things that are happening. I want to make sure I mention these. If I don't say them now, I'll probably forget by the end of service. Uh, youth starts back up this week. Any youth give a big shout out today? Yeah, yeah. Well, youth starts up this week, Wednesday night. The doors open up at 6 o'clock. It'll be our first youth service back in. They're going to be having a lot of games, a lot of different things like that, bonfire after service. So if you're students, 6th grade through 12th grade, get them here this Wednesday night. 6 p.m., the doors open up. Service starts at 6.30. That's this Wednesday. We have two more services with Jay and Lindsay as our student pastors. I know, sad day, but uh, they have two more. So make sure your kids get out for that this week and next week. And then also mark this on your calendar. You guys are the early crowd. This probably won't affect you, but July 5th, um, uh, July 4th weekend, we're going to do one service that day at 9 a.m., one service July 5th, 9 a.m., mark that on your calendar. If you decide to come late that day to late service, you'll miss it, but you'll be able to um, go back and watch the live stream service if you do that. But uh, 9 a.m., July 5th, one service, all right? Hey, if you have your Bible, turn with me to Revelation chapter 3, Revelation chapter 3. And today, we are closing out our series, What Really Matters. And uh, I hope and pray uh, that you have been touched by this series. I pray that it's touched your heart. And what we've been doing over the last few weeks is we've been looking at the seven churches in Revelation. And we are reimagining what Jesus wants the church to look like. Today we're going to look at the church of Laodicea. A couple things, three things to remind you of. When we're looking at these seven letters, number one, they are practical letters. What do I mean by that? These are real letters to real churches with real problems. Another thing to remember when thinking of these seven letters to these seven churches is they are prophetic. They are letters written to the church throughout the age, throughout the history of the church. Um, the, The church of Laodicea that we're looking at today, you can see these seven churches folded out through history. I would say we're living in the days and the era that the church would probably look like the church of Laodicea. And then also, you can look at these letters personally. There is a letter, there is a word in here for you. There is a word in here for the church. Let me just say today as a church and as Christians, I believe we should definitely take note of what God is saying um, to the church of Laodicea. I think there's a message here for us. Some of the most direct words that Jesus reserved in the Bible, really, but specifically to these seven churches, was aimed at the church of Laodicea. This church was a church that had compromised. This was a church that was conceited. And this was a church, honestly, that was, what we would have to say is they were void of the presence of the Lord. This church had actually gotten so far away from Jesus and their call of who he wanted them to be, that the Bible actually says that it made Jesus sick and made him want to vomit. But before we get any further into this, let me just give you a little background 
what we've done every week is we've given you a little background from every city that we've looked at. Let's look at the city of Laodicea. Well, the city was founded by Antiochus II around 253 B.C., and the city was named after his wife, whose name was Laodice. Now, the city of uh, Laodicea was located on a high plateau. Um, it was really protected from its enemies, but the city had one defensive problem. They had no real source for their water, and water had to be brought into the city through aqueducts, and it was brought in from two places. Um, there was a hot springs in Heropolis, which was six miles to the north, and it was brought into the city, and there was also a cold spring in Coloss that the water was piped in from that city as well. And as we dive into this message, you're going to see how this water is important to this city. Now, this city of Laodicea was famous for three primary reasons. Number one, they were a financial hub. They were um, famous for their finances. This was a, a financial hub in its day. They were also famous for their fashion. This was the fashion center of the day. This would have been like New York or London of today. Um, they, they got the outfits first. This would not have been Republic, Missouri. This would not have been Marshfield. This was the, this was the New York of its day. They were also famous for their pharmaceuticals. They actually were very inventive. One of the things they actually invented was a salve that they, that they would rub over eyes that had a, that it was said to have a, a cure for eye problems, and they created that. So we see just a little bit of the background of this city of Laodicea. And as, with that background, I want us to look very specifically at what Jesus is saying to them in their day and age, so practically, but I really want us as a church and really those of us who are watching online, I want us to see what Jesus is saying to Destiny Church. I want us to see what Jesus is saying to you as an individual. And I want us to see what Jesus is saying to you as a family. Because I think what Jesus says to Laodicea is very relevant for where we are as a church today. The church as a whole. So let's look at, if you have your Bible, Revelation chapter 3. We're going to start in verse 15. I'm going to read to you from the message translation today. Listen to what Jesus says to Laodicea. I know you inside and out, and I find little to my liking. I hope he never says that to me. You're not cold. You're not hot. For better to be either cold or hot, you're stale. You're stagnant. Another translation says you're lukewarm. You make me want to vomit. I, I'm, I'm sorry. I just My brain does things when I, when I speak and communicate. Anybody remember the Little Rascals movie? How many of you, when I say you make me want to vomit, that's the first thing that comes to your mind as he's writing the letter? Dear Darla, I hate your stinking guts. You make me vomit. But anyway, that's what I hear right there. So now every time I say that, that's what you're going to think about. But he says to them, you brag, I'm rich, I've got it made, I need nothing from anyone, oblivious that in fact you're a pitiful, blind beggar, threadbare, and homeless. Here's what I want you to do. Buy your gold from me, gold that's been through the refiner's fire, then you'll be rich. Buy your clothes from me, clothes designed in heaven, 
you've gone around half naked long enough and buy medicine for your eyes for me so you can really see. So what he's saying here is all these things that they're famous for don't really matter. They have medicine for their eyes. They have clothes. They have finances. That's what they were known for. But Jesus says none of that matters. One of the first things I see for the church of Laodicea that Jesus says is some of the other churches, he's like, hey, you do this okay, but I hold this against you. Laodicea, he just comes right at him and says, you just got a lot of problems. He doesn't give them any praise. And when I look at this, I see really, I see multiple problems, but I, we could kind of wrap it up within two problems here that I see for the church of Laodicea. Number one, they had a problem with their passion. They had a problem with their passion. Jesus tells them, Like the water in the city, you've become lukewarm. You've become stagnant. Recall at the beginning, I talked about these two water sources, Heropolis and Colossus. Well, listen to this. So water from the hot springs in Heropolis was piped into the city. And I want you to catch this. So that started out hot, but it had to come through aqueducts. And by the time it got to the city, it was lukewarm. Well, then they would go to Colossus and they would get cold water. It was from a cold spring. And they would pipe that into the city. And by the time that water got in the city, it was lukewarm. So when Jesus says to the church of Laodicea, you're lukewarm, they understand exactly what he's saying to them. They have this problem in their city. The waters were tepid. The waters were undesirable. And it makes living a good life, a refreshing life, difficult in this city. And Jesus is saying to the church then, and he's saying to the church today, you've become like your water supply. You've become lukewarm. Meaning when he's speaking to the church, he's saying you've lost your passion for the things of the Lord. When he's talking to the church, he's saying you've become indifferent and you've become apathetic. He's saying you're going through the motions and you're unmoved by the things of God. You're not hot, you're not cold, you're somewhere in the middle, you're somewhere in between. And Jesus says, this condition makes me sick. And sadly, you know, and I, I was honestly, as I, as I try to write messages, I, I never want to sound condemning or like I'm pointing a finger Because any message I write, I look at myself first. And so sometimes people will say things that comes across harsh. And I never want to sound harsh in my message. But a long time ago when I told the Lord I would preach, I said I've never watered down a message. And you know, through the years, there's been times when I was trying to reach people and draw bigger crowds, I would kind of tame down what the Lord told me to say. And when I look at the church of Laodicea, I could sit here and point fingers at the church universal. What I see in the church of Laodicea reminds me of what I see happening in the American church. We're indifferent. The Church of America is a perfect study in apathy. We're going through the motions. 
Sadly, we have no passion for the things of the Lord. Too many, too many things are more important. An overwhelming number of us who declare that Jesus is Lord of our life, we've just kind of fallen into this maintenance mode, mediocrity. We've become comfortable. Our involvement in the church has become almost mechanical. And we, and we feel this stirring inside of us. And we know that we're in a spiritual rut. We know that we're not exactly where we need to be with the Lord. We've actually become a little bit bored spiritually. We're a little frustrated thinking maybe there's something more, but we've lost the passions that once burned so bright for Jesus. And instead of running back to Jesus to recapture those passions, we're running further and further into the arms of the world. There's an interesting line when I read the Bible. There's an interesting line in 1 Samuel chapter 3. You can actually look at this, 1 Samuel chapter 3. But it describes the spiritual condition of Israel in the era of the judges. Many of the challenges that made the people, and this is, I think, I think this is one of the problems in the church today. As we look at 1 Samuel chapter 3, we're at the end of the era of the judges. What's happening is the nation of Israel is no longer really needing to depend on the Lord. Let me just kind of say something here. I think what happens is when our dependence is high on the Lord, we get closer to the Lord. I was just told I have cancer. Well, guess what? I'm going to lean into the Lord. But then I get a clean bill of, of health and I go back. Come on. I've got a financial issue. I'm going to lean into the Lord. What we see happening here, even in, in 1 Samuel chapter 3, is they're no longer dependent on the Lord. Pharaoh's been defeated. They've got the Ten Commandments. Mount Sinai is old news. The era of Joshua and Moses is behind them. The exodus of leaving Egypt is complete. They've secured the land that God promised them, and now they're just living comfortable lives. And the writer of Samuel, in 1 Samuel chapter 3, declares these words. He says, in those days, the word of the Lord was rare. Rare. It existed, but it was rare. The people weren't in a state of major rebellion. The church was still open. People were still going to the house. They were still singing songs. They were still preaching from the word. They were still serving at the doors. Does it sound like anything that you guys maybe experienced today? We're not in a major state of rebellion. We're still preaching. We're still singing. We're still serving. We're still giving. The heavens may be declaring the glory of God, but the church, we're channel surfing. And if it's convenient to land at church, we're going to land at church. But if it's convenient to be somewhere else or more desirable to be somewhere else on a certain day, we're going to be there. We've lost our passion. 
We've lost our desire for God and for the things of God. God's in the room. He never changes. I heard somebody years ago say, God's not really moving in America, and I bought into that for a moment. You know what? Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He moved in, he'll move today. The problem is, we've moved. We've changed. He hasn't changed. If I press into him, the Bible tells me, he will press into me. But the problem is, we've changed. God's still here, but we just don't think of him near as much. We just think of him when we need him. We aren't dead. No, the problem is we're lukewarm. Anybody hearing this today? We're apathetic. We're indifferent. And in Revelation chapter 3, because of their condition, here's what the Lord says, you disgust me. I, I don't even want to be in your presence. And I think he's saying that to the church of America today. Right now, church, you disgust me and you make me sick and you make me want to vomit. And I, may I just say to you, as a person, for my family, and even as a church, may the Lord never look at me, may the Lord never look at my family, and may the Lord never look at Destiny Church and say, you disgust me, you make me want to vomit. I'm <laughs> May that never be written on our gravestone. You know, something interesting that I do find out about lukewarm temperatures, though, something I want you to see, is when sometimes you actually want lukewarm temperatures. You say, what are you talking about? When you're working with yeast, I found out you want lukewarm temperatures. If you're wanting bread to rise, you want lukewarm temperatures. You can't put cold water in it. Because here's what, here's, lukewater activates the yeast. Lukewarm water makes the yeast rise. If you put cold water on the yeast, it actually deactivates it. But if you put hot water on the yeast, it overactivates it, and in a sense, it kills it. And so you're saying, well, pastor, then maybe we should be lukewarm. No, in the Bible, yeast is sin. So what's Jesus saying to the church? If you're lukewarm, you're allowing sin to thrive in your life. When you're lukewarm, listen to me, you're allowing sin to be activated and to overtake you. Which leads to you becoming cold. Hello? So we don't want to be lukewarm. We want to be hot. My old youth pastor, his name was Dave Moalo. He's from New York. I remember he would always say things to me as a student. He would say, Chad, you either want to be all the way in or all the way out. And then he would start singing out this song, Sold Out and Radical. That was his song. You want to be sold out and radical. Jesus wants us as a church, as believers, to be sold out and radical. Jesus wants us to be hot, not cold, not lukewarm. Jesus wants us to be passionate about him. Jesus, when he thinks about Destiny Church, he wants us to be a place that his presence is supreme and that when people walk through the doors of this church, they are refreshed, they are healed, they are renewed, they are restored, and they are set on fire. Let me say that again. When people walk through the doors of Destiny Church, God wants them to be refreshed, 
renewed, restored, healed, and set on fire. Why? So they can go out and change the world. We can't change the world when we're cold. We can't change the world when we're lukewarm. That's the kind of church that Jesus wants us to be. That's the kind of church that Jesus imagines, a church that is on fire. Number two, second problem I see with the church of Laodicea. Number one, they had a passion problem. Number two, they had a perception problem. According to Revelation chapter 3, 17, they thought they had it all. They were proud of their achievements. When the people of Laodicea looked at themselves, it, said, it pretty much tells us they thought they saw a perfect church. They were wealthy. They were powerful. They had pharmaceuticals. They had all the clothes they wanted. They had all they needed. And there they sat with all their pretty clothes and their medicine and their pockets full of change. Indifferent. Apathetic. Unmoved and cold. And Jesus comes to them in Revelation chapter 3 verse 17 and he says, you brag. You say you're rich and you've got it made and you need nothing from anyone. But listen to me, but listen to what Jesus says. You're oblivious to the fact that you're a pitiful, blind beggar, threadbare, and homeless. They're sitting in their church and saying, we have it all together. And Jesus says, it's the exact opposite. You don't have it all together. He says, you're pitiful, you're blind, you're threadbare, and you're homeless. Talk about missing it. There's been times in my life where I missed it, but man, this is really missing it. And sadly, church, hear me today. Hear me listening online today, this week, a year from now. If you're watching this, there are many of us spiritually, individually, as families, and there's many churches out there today. We're missing it. We think we have it all together. We think we're fine. We're sitting in our church. We have our houses. We have our cars. We have our clothes. We have our sight. We have all the things we need. But Jesus says, no, no, no. It's the exact opposite. Another translation says it this way. You're wretched. You're miserable. You're poor. You're blind. And you're naked. Can I just tell you, more than money at Destiny Church, more than crowds, more than buildings, more than recognition in our community, more than notoriety, more than a million Instagram followers, more than the biggest building, more than many of the things we place great value in. Here's the heart cry of this message today. We need Jesus. We need his presence. I've been so consumed many times as I walk through the doors of this church on Sundays and I'm thinking, I know this person's not going to be here and this person's not. Is anybody going to show up today? And I'm so consumed about who's not going to be in the room that I forget it really doesn't matter if you're in the room. It doesn't matter if I'm in the room. It doesn't matter if I'm here. It doesn't matter who's on those keys, who's behind a microphone. All that matters is, is Jesus here? If he's not in the room, nothing else matters. We need his presence. We need the Holy Spirit. We need an awakening. Send it, Lord. We want revival. That's a heart cry. We get so caught up in everything else. We need his power. We need his presence. We need him to move. And not only do we have a problem of perception, you could also say 
this was almost a problem of possession. The church of Laodicea, they thought it was about them. They thought it was their church. We must never forget why the church exists. I don't know how many pastors or friends might see this message. I don't know how many are sitting in these seats that are on staff here at this church or that maybe one of these days you'll be standing behind a pub table preaching a message. Can I just say today the church must never be a platform so that we can become known to the world. Church must never become a platform or a forum where we can make our agenda or our ideas known. The church is not a place that we can run. The church is not a place that we can dominate. The church is not our church. It's his church. Who died for the church? Who died for the church? Say it again. Who died for the church? Who shed his blood for the church? It's his church. He builds it. He sustains it. I can't build it. I can't make people come. You can't make people come. We can't make it last. Only Jesus can. The church exists for his glory. We are here for him and him alone. Let me shock you today. You call this your church, and I understand what you mean by that, but this is not your church. This is not my church. Contrary to what my boys, when they were younger, would say, they would say, Daddy, this is your church. No, it's not. This is God's church. I'm just a pastor. They'd say, well, you own it. No, I don't. I don't want to own this church. This is not my church. This is not your church. This is his church. And we must always keep this church, your heart, your family's heart, and this ministry centered on one thing and one thing alone. We must always keep it centered on Jesus. Let me say this again. We need Jesus. Nothing else. Nothing else. So we see the problem. It's evident. They had a, they had a passion problem. They had a perception problem. They'd lost sight of Jesus. And you know, this church in Laodicea, Jesus has some pretty harsh words for them. But listen, it, but not all hope was lost. He's still talking to them. Think about that. They're in trouble. If there's ever a church that you can say, well, he's not going to ever show up, this could be that church. But listen, verse 19. Listen what he says in verse 19. The people I love. Hello? Laodicea, you're lukewarm, you're cold, you make me want to vomit, but I still love you. The people I love, I call to account, I prod, I correct and guide so they'll, they'll live at their best. No matter where you are today, Jesus wants you to live at your best. What's he saying to this church? The people he loves, he disciplines. He corrects them and he trains them. He shows them the error of their ways. Why? So they can change. Why? So they can live their best life. And I don't know about you today, but that encourages me. Because if there's ever a church that didn't deserve it. It's this church. As bad as they are, though, God still loves them and is calling them to correction. So today, in America, the church may be in trouble. We may have a passion problem. We may have a perception problem. We may have a possession problem, but there is hope. And today, no matter where you find yourself, no matter if you find yourself lukewarm today, no matter if you're indifferent, no matter if you're here today and you're lacking passion,
for the things of God. And the Lord is just whispering in my heart over and over and over again today. And my heart is honestly saddened as I look at this room. And I know the people that are watching online, Lord, saying, there is a passion problem in this church. I know there's people that are here today and they're watching online. The church is something they do when it's convenient for them. And all of that breaks my heart and it saddens me. But the Lord says, I love you still and I want to change your life. And so I'm going to speak directly to you. There's still hope. But God is calling us today to change. June 14th, 2020. In five days, I'll be 45. Don't forget my birthday. It's important. But June 14th, 2020, God is calling us to change. And I want really nice gifts from all of you. But anyway, so here's the cure. How do we change? We see it in verse 22 of Revelation chapter 3. He who has ears to hear. What's the cure? You got to hear. What's the cure? I got to hear and I got to understand. Listen to me, Destiny Church. As we went out of Corona and we come into it and we come back into live services at Destiny Church, what's Jesus saying to us? Understand what really matters and hear with your heart and make the changes. And so there's two things that I believe that God is saying to the church of Laodicea, but I think he's saying to the church of today. To those of us who are indifferent, to those of us who are apathetic, to those of us who are lukewarm, what's he saying? Have ears to hear and understand what the Spirit is saying Two things I see in in Revelation chapter 3, verse 19 through 21. Look at it. Up on your your feet, about face, run after God. Look at me. I stand at the door. I knock. If you hear me, open the door, and I'll come in, and I'll have supper with you. So what's Jesus saying? Number one, it's time for an about face. What do I mean by that? It's time to repent. God forgive us. Forgive me. Upon your face, about face. What's that mean? Turn around. Run after God. Repent. Destiny Church in the room, Destiny Church online, hear this word. This is what God is saying to us. It's time for us to repent. It's time for us to turn around and run after God. And I just want to say something to you, but it's up to you as an individual to repent. The spiritual condition of your soul is not my problem. Pastor, you're you're just blowing off your responsibility. No. Jesus is going to judge me for me. When you stand before the Lord and he looks at you one day, you're not going to be able to blame me for the condition of your soul. up to you you're not going to be able to blame your parents well my parents didn't do this it's up to you God saves you God redeems you it's up to you to repent he's calling you to count there's no one to blame for your spiritual condition but you you're responsible for you today and he's saying to you get up on your feet about face And run after me. Repent. Change your ways. And number two, he's saying, once you repent, then open the door. The door's locked. And this door, listen to me. The Holy Spirit 
God, he can do anything he wants to do, but he's not going to force a door open on you. He's knocking. Can you hear him? Everybody close your eyes. I want you to hear this right now. Hear it in your heart. Do you hear him? Do you hear it? Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in. I'll have supper with you. I don't know about you today, but I swing wide open the door. And I say, come on in, Jesus. Come on in, Jesus. Come on in, Jesus. Come on in, Jesus. Start saying that right there. You see, say, come on in, Jesus. Open the door for you, Jesus. Come on in. Holy Spirit, the door's open. Come on in. Renew our passions. Ignite our hearts for you. Come on in, Jesus. I repent for being less than passionate for you. I repent, Jesus, for having a perception problem and thinking I had it all together. I repent for thinking it was about me. Come on in, Jesus. Change my heart, change my family, change my church. Renew our hearts, renew the flame. Put some fresh wood on the fire, Jesus. you're here today and you could honestly say you've got a passion problem you're not as passionate as you once were you're not as on fire as you once were your heart's not as moved for the things of God as it once was I want you to stand to your feet if that's you, you say I've got a passion problem I've got a passion problem I was not, I'm not as hot I'm not as passionate for God as I once was stand to your feet if you're here today and you could be honest, you could say, I've got a perception problem. I, I think I've got it all together. I'm comfortable. I'm okay. And I think I've got all that I need. But today that the Lord has revealed to me, no, I might have all the things that the world says I need, but I don't have all the things that God says I need. If that's you, stand to your feet. Yeah, Jesus. Show up, Jesus. Change us, Jesus. Thank you so much for joining us. Special thanks to those of you who give to this ministry. It's because of you that this ministry is possible. You can check out the link in the description to give or visit destinychurch.me give. Don't forget to subscribe and share with your friends. We love you and have a blessed week.